0: Hello and welcome back to the end of the well, I guess the season finale of Judal Future. It is week 10, this is episode 10, and with me I have a good friend of mine, Billy Lucas. Hello, thank you for having me on. Hello, Billy, who, who are you and why are you here today, Billy? Uh, I'm
1: Billy Lucas, I am a second year PACE student, uh, I'm from Huddersfield. I do the magazine, the Perspectives mm-hmm. Magazine, with the Politics Society. Check that out. Uh, Several and good
0: articles there. I myself there, and, and <laughs> yourself, you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I'm going to be talking mm-hmm. about the conservative party Yeah, today. so today is a conservatism special. Um, I wrote down a little thing here. So I went, uh, uh, conservative, a modern history of conservatism, I think mm-hmm. is what would be a good way to do it. Um, changes in ideology, style, and success. How very of, swish. Of, thank you very much. Um, a lot of work goes into this. <laughs> um, so uh, what this is going to be is basically from 1997 onwards, basically a, um, I would say more of an in-depth history of uh, conservatism and its modern iterations of how it's changed and how successful it's been uh, throughout. So um, the first question is simply, Billy, it's post-1997. John Major has just left. This took me a lot of Googling. I did not know any of this. John Major <laughs> is now gone.
1: Where are we? What's happening? So... 1997, we have a general election, and it is a phenomenal general election, if you're a Labour Party supporter, that is. And um, for the Conservatives, it's their worst defeat since 1906. Mm. I mean, they only have 165 seats in Parliament. They have to scramble to find a a shadow cabinet. That's just how (laughs) few seats they have. Mm. And it comes at the end of an 18-year Conservative long reign, and the Conservative Party's tired. It is absolutely knackered. It's been beset by... Thatcherism and John Major, and the infighting and the sleaze that's produced by that, and it is absolutely knackered and it is facing uh, an onslaught of the Labour, the new Labour juggernaut, mm-hmm. and it's in a pretty, pretty dark place, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty bad place.
0: So, you could say that um, the Conservative Party at this point is pretty much in one of the darkest points in their history, really at the lowest. So, what were the beginnings of getting out of this point? You know, who was the first person to take over? How long did it take to sort of begin to pull themselves out of this, mm-hmm. I guess, rut?
1: Well, I mean, it, it's a 13-year claw back to mm-hmm. power. But John Major leaves, John Labour's left. John Major has left the scene, left the building, left the party. And um, in his place, we have William Hague, mm-hmm. who beats um, Clark and Howard. Um, so that's Ken Clark, the chancellor, and Howard, Michael Howard, the, the home secretary. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's this young upstart, uh, gravelly voice from uh, Yorkshire, um, but he doesn't do a very good job, mm-hmm. I'm afraid, at uh, bringing the Labour, uh, bringing the Conservative Party back into power. But it, because it's such a it's such a tricky tricky job, you're facing a Labour Party that's been more energised than it has been for thirty forty years, um, and it's at the zenith of its power. Mm-hmm. The chances of William Hague bringing it back were next to none. But uh, he was a fantastic orator. Nobody could critique his his skills at at question time. Tony Blair was roundly every week pretty much beaten by William Hague, but that doesn't cut through to the country. Mm. That does not cut through to the country at all. What people think of William Hague when they think of William Hague, they think of someone that was aged 14 speaking at the Conservative Party conference, (laughs) someone that read Hansard from the age of 10, Um, someone that professed to drink 14 pints a day at a university and so people think this this man's a bit of a wally mm. um and he you know when he wins he goes to a theme park and he wears these hats and he goes on log flumes mm. and they, the hats these caps they say Hague on them and it's just a flop mm. it, the pr um way of doing things is firmly in the labor mm. camp at this time and the conservative party is you know it, after this defeat it was in shock mm. and it's just one battle, not only with the Labour Party, but between itself, between these ideological purists. It's staunchly on the right wing, mm-hmm. where the Labour Party occupies the centre ground here. The, the Conservatives run amok. And w- William Hague at the 2001 uh, Conservative Party conference gives this most atrocious speech, and he uh, warns that Britain's becoming a foreign land. And <laughs> oh it's... It, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a bad time... Mm for the Conservative Party.
0: So would you say that Haig's, I guess, um, Premier would be better described as less about um, his failings in terms of, I guess, as a leader or in terms of policy, but more of an, illabil- an inability to adapt to what is the new, I guess, norm for politics? Absolutely. Which is the sort of the, the what Blair introduced in terms of, you know, hypermedia focus and, and, you know, basically putting all the effort onto PR when they were still quite old school. Absolutely.
1: One of the major issues with the Conservative Party um, at the, in this time period is just how they are fighting ten years behind what yeah, the Labour yeah. Party are fighting, mm-hmm. and they're reactionary. They can't. They're proposing nothing. The Labour Party, you know, they've they've been in the wilderness for such a long time. They're back with ideas, mm. and they're implementing them. They're not okay. just keeping the economy ticking over. They're not just uh, keeping the country ticking over they are implementing some serious wholesale reforms. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that the Conservative Party can do is say, well, we're against that, and we're against this, and we're against that. And so they end up opposing everything, but proposing nothing. And so people think this is just some sort of windbag. (laughs) And so I would describe William Hague's leadership uh, of the party as just keeping it on life support, Mm. letting it not drop any further, but (laughs) not really (laughs) increasing um, the mm. chances of of uh, winning.
0: Yes, yeah, so you could say that perhaps his role, you know, it would be quite ridiculous to expect like an instant turnaround by a conservative when when things change so drastically. Mm. So perhaps his role was more to just be basically just a caretaker for a little bit. Don't do anything ridiculous. Stop out. Stop the massive shift to one side. and yeah. Wait until these sort of ideas, like you said, that had been, that had been brewing in the Labour camp for years, yeah. start to come through. For yeah. I guess you know more of a grassroots movement. Absolutely. And, and allow the Conservative Party to actually offer real, I guess, solutions or ideas rather than just saying, we'll do things like we did back then or we'll just maintain what we did. Absolutely.
1: I think it's very hard mm-hmm. for the Conservative Party to attack New Labour because at the end of the day, New Labour is a, it's a, it's a triage, it's a third way. So it nicks <laughs> the best bits of conservatism. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. you see Gordon Brown... For the first two years, he maintains the conservative spending plans, mm. and so it's very, very tricky for the Conservatives to find a soft sort of underbelly um, for of, of New Labour. And mm. when it does present itself in two thousand three in the form of an Iraq War, the Conservatives are all on board with it anyway. Mm. Yeah. So That's they the shot, shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah. And going back to this sort of life support that William Hague's put it on, you get round to the two thousand one general election, one seat. <laughs> That's the, they have a net increase of one seat for the Conservatives. Jeez. And so, it's just pl- it's just keeping the party ticking sure. on.
0: So Hague's kind of done his job in terms of just keeping the party alive, in a sense, keeping them relevant in some form. What comes next? So what what spelled the downfall, or what was the resurgent move to move on from from Hague?
1: Well, I think internally he set himself a little target, like uh, Neil Kinnock did in 1989, of um, increasing his uh, seats by about forty to fifty, and by only increasing it by one. Mm-hmm was quite a lot short <laughs> and so following the 2001 general election <laughs> William Hague resigns okay. um, and then there is a leadership contest hey, hey um, contest. of which Michael Portillo mm-hmm. um, who had been out of Parliament he he, okay. so he was one of the famous scalps mm. in the 1997 <laughs> general election mm. uh, which nobody really expected yeah. him to lose his seat but given this the tsunami for new Labour mm. um, Michael Portillo was also swept mm. up in that, but he returned, and yeah. so he then ran for the leadership. Everyone thought Michael Portillo is the man of the moment. Mm. Michael Portillo was not the man of the moment. <laughs> a very quiet, mm. small little man named Ian Duncan Smith <laughs> oh. ran away with the uh, um, w- with the leadership against uh, mm-hmm. Ken Clark again. Ken Clark's a bit of a recurring oh, theme poor, within, poor this, uh, this, uh, within this this within this history. He's
0: trying his best. The poor yeah. Ken Clark,
1: but. Ian Duncan Smith was worse, mm. absolutely atrocious yeah. compared to William Hague. Um, and when you're up against Tony Blair, <laughs> yeah. the chances of him doing well are just next to nothing. And so he's 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 just humiliated. He's embarrassed by the Labour Party. So when he goes into the uh, chamber for PMQs and when he goes up to speak, all the Labour MPs they go shh because shh, shh, <laughs> he's seen as this quiet man. Yeah. And then he gives this statement and he says, do not underestimate the determination of a quiet man. And he goes on to say, and this, this, this little line will roar. And it's just
0: oh, no. embarrassing. Yeah, Especially um, when you're coming against Tony Blair, who is basically like the, the de facto politician. Absolutely. Mr.
1: Mr. move boy. Absolutely. And he's got the support of Thatcher, which is a not really a blessing mm. in disguise because people hark back and they think this is just the old conservative yeah. party. Like
0: not changing. Not yeah, changing. Okay
1: an attempt to just maintain what hasn't yeah. been working, I guess. And then he's pro the Iraq war. So what mm. can he propose that is different to Tony Blair that's actually popular amongst the country? Nothing. Staunchly right wing, mm-hmm. all about crime and punishment. Yeah, yeah. And, um,
0: yeah, it's a mm. pretty bad I guess, time. Just, um, you could say that um, at the time where I guess, vane politics was becoming more of a thing, Ian Duncan Smith in particular would be one who was much more of, oh, these are these are this is the Conservative Party. These are our beliefs. Uh, We're going to stick by that. I'm here to represent that, Mm. rather than thinking, okay, I have to do something different than what the person across me is doing. Yeah.
1: That being said, there are signs of some new life in the Conservative Party. So, at the 2001 general election, even though there's a net increase of one of all the chopping Mm -hmm. and changing, you've got a new intake of MPs. You've got Boris Johnson, George Osborne. You've got David Cameron. So you've got these mm. future leaders trickling okay. yeah. in to the party. Um, but it's not enough. Mm-hmm. And Ian Duncan Smith was pro the Iraq War. Mm. And so there was nothing yeah. really to take against mm. New Labour. Mm. So much so that oh, yeah. he did not last very long. He lasted a, a year yeah. as a um, leader mm. before the only time since Neville Chamberlain that a conservative party leader has not gone into a general election Wow! Um, he was kicked mm. out v- yeah. by a no confidence vote. Mm.
0: so I was going to say because when I was doing my research for this I literally don't have notes about Ian Duncan Smith <laughs> <laughs> I had I had I'm um, not liking the name I had I Haig H- yeah and then I had straight to Cameron or whatever I just yeah. I totally missed out Ian Duncan Smith yeah and I was like oh no
1: <laughs> he's a bit of an oversight is yeah. uh, Ian Duncan Smith though he does make a uh, he does make a comeback mm. as does William Haig yeah, in the yeah. Cameron government and um, William Haig makes a remarkable comeback. I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to that. Um, and so does Ian Duncan Smith. Uh, the universal credit idea, um, which he later has working pension secretary of the Cameron government, which I'm sure we'll come to. Mm-hmm. Um, he has, you know, a second lease of life.
0: Mm. Uh, but perhaps leader wasn't the... Wasn't but leader, the, yeah, wasn't the main, I think not. The main area. Okay.
1: And so then you have Michael Howard coming onto the scene. Michael Howard... Um, is the he was the home secretary during mm-hmm. the nineties and he is elected then unopposed in two thousand four, um after Ian Duncan Smith's exit. Mm-hmm. And again, it's turning the party it's turning the party back in the right direction, but it's not enough. It is not enough mm-hmm. for um a party going up against the Labour Party, weakened mm. though it is mm. Michael Howard, there was a series of mistakes in sure. the campaign and uh, beforehand that meant that he was not going to win. Mm. It's a shame, I think, yeah. if Ken Clark were leader, um, <laughs> the only time that he didn't go for it, he might have got it. Um, because of his opposition to the Iraq war. Of uh, course. Ken Clark mm. could have been the perfect candidate. In 2003, I think yeah. he would have been the perfect.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear, I think, that like, Blair was pretty lucky that he was a Labour Party Guy doing these sort of things because it meant that his party was with him, and the traditionally anti, more anti-war, anti-intervention party is the one doing it, and then conservatives who are more generally in favour that sort of thing were like, yeah, okay, we like this. Yeah. So it meant that he could get away with a lot of, he basically escape a lot of criticism, and perhaps mm-hmm. if Ken Clark who. Was like, would have been the one to actually be able to champion this criticism. Things could have been very different.
1: Yeah, and people say Ken Clark is the best prime minister we never had, and no. I <laughs> I agree. Um, mm. But sadly, no, he did not win, and Michael Howard won. And the election campaign of 2005, which presented the Conservatives with a chance, not much of a chance, but there was a but chance. There was one, yeah. Um, to win, they bungled it. Um, mm-hmm. The campaign was tone deaf. So they had these. This uh, this the campaign was all about. Are you thinking what we're thinking? <laughs> was their slogan, which is just such are
0: you thinking what we're
1: thinking? Latent dog <laughs> politics with well, no. slogans such as "It's not racist to impose limits on immigration," and this whole "Are you thinking what we're thinking?" Sort of sowing mm. seeds of uh, worry amongst people mm-hmm. didn't, for obvious reasons, did not work, <laughs> um, and so uh, the Conservative Party. Had a chance and they squandered it, okay. I'm afraid to say. Um that being said, they did increase their seats by thirty three. Okay. Um up to one nine eight, which is mm-hmm. still atrocious. True. <laughs> <laughs> the Labour Party has still on three hundred and fifty five mm-hmm.
0: seats. But it's 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 something at least. It is it's something. once again, it's enough to I guess because if it was the same sort of pattern of, like, small increases, there would have been real talks of, okay, is this party dead in the water? Yeah. But it's enough to say, okay, they can grow if they don't do all these dumb things that they already did.
1: I think there was never really a question of the the Conservative Party dying Mm -hmm. after 2001, purely because this, usually, we always talk, oh, God, is this the end of Labour? You know, oh, this is going to be the end of Labour. But this is, like, the first time for quite some time that the Conservative Party has been out of power mm-hmm. and they, you, they are seen as the natural party government. After all, they are the most successful party in political history anywhere in mm. the world and that is precisely because of in like qualities.
0: What on earth was that? Whoa. Oh, I accidentally pressed a sound. Oh, God. Sorry about that. The screen turned off. I tried to click it and I clicked a noise. Oh, God. <laughs> so I keep going. I hate... Oh, I don't want to know what me. that 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 was. It was <laughs> just a man saying excellent. Well,
1: thank you for oh, your uh, support, uh, Mr. Man. <laughs> he I, loves it. I am... Um, um what is interesting Mm -hmm. is the liberal democrats so they found a purpose Mm. they went up and up and up in their seats not by much but But come 2005 they are the largest third party in quite some time and that is because of their opposition to the iraq Mm. war which leads one to think if the conservative party had been against the iraq war what better place Mm. they could have been in but alas not Mm. And so Michael Howard resigns.
0: Okay, well, then that seems like the perfect end to this first segment here. We've gone yes. over the first brief bit. All the people, I guess a lot of names people aren't, aren't that familiar now. But next up is David Cameron, I believe, or am I totally yes. Right? Next Yes. I up. should hope people know who David Cameron is, or Hopefully I will be worried. So. There will be a problem. Well, that's why they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> they are here to learn about David Cameron. Uh, we're going to our first song, which is, I'm very happy about this, Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. Oh, goodness. Please enjoy. Right, hello, and welcome back to segment two. So, we covered the first sort of the introductory years, post-1997, and now we're on to the more modern, exciting stuff. (laughs) So, um, I've already forgotten the man's name. Howard? Michael Howard. Michael Howard. He's gone, he's out, we're done with him, we've moved on. He's gone. Although, what is
1: interesting about Michael Howard's departure from office, or not from office, from leadership of the Mm -hmm. Conservative Party, compared with previous incumbents, is that he waits six months to leave And in that time, he has a radical reshuffle of his cabinet, uh, his shadow cabinet, that is, and brings in George Osborne and David Cameron. So David Cameron is now the shadow Secretary of State for Education Mm -hmm. and George Osborne is the shadow Chancellor at age 33. Wow. And that's really interesting Mm because that shows that Michael Howard realises... The Conservative Party needs to change. And if he is to defeat the most popular Conservative Party politician of the time, which is David Davis, Mm -hmm. which some people may know now as the ex-Brexit secretary, Mm -hmm. and Theresa May, David Davis is the one to beat Mm in 2005. And by giving six months of a period of reflection (laughs) upon uh, the Mm -hmm. Conservative Party... Um, it allows David Cameron and George Osborne a chance to establish themselves as the modernisers of the mm-hmm. Conservative Party. And so come the 2005 leadership election, Cameron still goes in as not the favourite. And David Davis goes in as a favourite. David Davis comes here mm-hmm. to the University of Warwick <laughs> because he sets up Raw yeah, where yeah. He, during his time. He launched, I don't know whether he launched his campaign or did uh, a speech here. But bad. he visited during the mm-hmm. 2005 um, leadership oh, election. Wow. But... David Cameron wins mm. because he presents himself as a modernizer. Okay, and he changes um, the way in which the Conservative Party sh- ought to think in his beliefs. This is mm-hmm. and provides quite a refreshing break with the past. Mm-hmm. And he wins, and he becomes very one of the youngest uh, Conservative leaders ever. Not the youngest, one of. but nobody can beat hit the younger at the age of twenty-five becoming oh my. Prime Minister oh my. Um, <laughs> unless you really are in a hurry. Oh. Um, and Osborne becomes. The, one of the youngest shadow chancellors, mm-hmm. and David Cameron offers a different vision for the Conservative Party. So one of his first acts is to visit um, Northern Europe, or is it Greenland or Iceland or somewhere like that, and he, uh, to talk about climate change.
0: Mm.
1: And he visits huskies and whatnot, oh. and um, in, in in the snow-capped regions, and it's a refreshing difference. The Conservative Party up until then would never have really talked about climate change Mm -hmm. um with any real gusto or or zeal or 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 serious policy weight behind it but there is david cameron doing that and that offers a glimpse of what's to come so over the next five years david cameron sets out his mission to detoxify the conservative party and he is pretty much successful in that endeavor um they have and maintain quite a not a considerable but a polling lead over tony blair um because Tony Blair has, up until now, been <laughs> up against these old, mm. old... You know, you've got Michael yeah. Howard, who's old. He's in his 60s. Ian Duncan Smith, this... Old-timey, quiet little man. Yeah, flash in the past and leaders. William Hague, a bit of a wally, mm. even though he was young. And so he's up against someone that could be a competitor for the PR, slick. Mm. That's what Cameron offers. <clears throat> and so by the time that... Blair leaves office and Brown enters office. Um, There's a bit of a fluctuation in the polls, but then they reset themselves and and the Conservatives hold a considerable lead. And then you have these dual uh, winds of change, of fortune Mm -hmm. that really hammer, well, one of them hammers the Labour Party and that is the financial crash of 2008. Mm -hmm. Because up until that point, the Conservative Party has been trying to find the weak, the soft underbelly of which to, to jab the Labour Party with and there it is, it presents itself, the worst crash <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for like 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, hello, you'd be a fool not to take it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they do, because up until then, the Labour Party has been perfectly good at keeping the economy tick, tick, ticking along. Um, and so there they have it. And there is an argument to say that the Labour Party did not cause the financial crash. It was mm-hmm. the subprime mortgage crisis yeah. in America, the domino effect. Mm-hmm. But if it sticks, if the boot fits... And boy, mm-hmm. did the Conservatives make sure it stuck? And so the Labour Party—they're now not—they're lo- losing the economic argument. and that offers a really radical change for the Conservative parties. They're—they're they're no longer on the back foot. They're no longer defensive. They are now proactive. They are now proposing stuff, mm-hmm. and they have uh, got a plan. And then you have the expenses scandal, which really rocks not just the Labour Party but the Conservative Party's, Liberal Democrats, everybody, nobody is left unscathed um, because you have MPs claiming for yeah. all sorts of stuff they should be claiming they, f- they sort of change the designation of their first house um, and their the house that they use in London mm. to sort of get back tax from it they claim tax for the, all sorts of ridiculous things, there's a Conservative MP that claims thousands of pounds in tax for his duck pond house <laughs> And that mm-hmm. becomes, like, the, the symbol of There was, of, a, there of
0: was the, a Labour MP's husband who somehow managed to claim for loads of pornography.
1: Yeah. That was a, that was a big one. And the public look sit back and they think, this is mm-hmm. a disgrace. Hmm. And it really tars, not so much the Conservative Party, even though there are Conservative Party MPs that um, are tainted by but it tars the current political status mm-hmm. of, uh, of the time. Mm. Um, and the Conservative Party is able to use that. David Cameron's really effective, and he says, right, if you've done this, you pay your money back, and you or you leave the party. Yeah. And so Michael Gove was one of these, um, oh, and he, but he was he paid the money back, and he went to a constituency meeting, uh, and, and he just grovelled for a few hours, <laughs> and the people accepted mm-hmm. it. But you have some MPs, on the other hand, those like Theresa May, a personal <laughs> favourite of mine, who actually <laughs> came out of that unscathed and enhanced for <laughs> underclaiming, uh, um, nice. which is quite nice. Um, <laughs> and so these sort of dual wins change the political okay. uh, dynamic of the time. And so going into the 2010 general election, you know, it's, all, it's, it's not all to play for. The Conservative Party are projected to win. Um, and so, and they do. They don't win-win. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the Conservative Party, after 13 years yeah. in, in, in wilderness, they get back in. So they get 306 seats. They That's over a 120-seat increase. And mm-hmm. we're talking beforehand about, oh, well, William Hay got one more. One seat for yeah. seats. You know. This is 120 mm-hmm. seats. Labour Party, they collapse by just uh, just shy of 100 seats.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the the, the Conservative Party face themselves mm-hmm. with a choice because this is the first time since the 70s that we are faced with a hung parliament. No party has an outright majority. And even though now we think, oh, well, it was a given that Liberal Democrats yeah. would go into coalition with the Conservatives. That was not a given. And so for two weeks, um, there's some serious haggling and bargaining going on because uh, Gordon Brown will be dragged out mm. uh, of number ten, <laughs> kicking and yeah. screaming uh, before he gives it up. Mm-hmm. And so he really tries to go for a, a coalition with, with the Liberal Democrats, offering um electoral reform, yeah. which is what one of the big prize issues that the Liberal mm-hmm. Democrats want. Um but they realise that the Labour Party is tired and it is over. And do you want to ally yourself with a tired party? No. And so they go in with yeah. the Conservatives <laughs> Yeah. So going
0: back to the two main issues, you know, the two, I guess, defeats that you described, could you say that, um, so you said that, <clears throat> for example, the expenses scandal affected um, Labour more than, than Conservatives. So would you say that <clears throat> perhaps what this issue was, uh, a representation of is more that it was more a tarring of less than a, uh, either party, but of establishment or like old figureheads and what david cameron offered was putting the Conservatives in a slightly odd position for them historically in being almost the anti-establishment yeah the one to say all right you know we're getting rid of all these old heads who have been taking money from you lot forever um and if they don't they're leaving the party Mm -hmm. so perhaps it was this almost you know i guess less explicit than it would be now other leaders but an anti-establishment rhetoric which put cameron on this sort of playing field
1: i think david cameron um was very adept at using the the situation to his advantage that there are there were conservative MPs that really mm-hmm. came to symbolize all this lack of trust and uh, through the expenses scandal however you know there was an opportunity there um to take it and david cameron did but more importantly what it represented was and has ramifications in 2016 in the referendum mm-hmm. a complete lack of trust in 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 MPs MPs thinking they take the public for a ride. And the public really did not take too kindly to that. And it's showing signs of Mm -hmm. a disappointment with the establishment in politics, uh, that think that MPs are out in it for themselves and not for the public. And this manifests itself. Um, Despite David Cameron's best efforts at leading the country from 2010 onwards, this still manifests itself. And this lack of trust um, leads in some ways to Brexit.
0: Yeah, so, what would you say would be the number one change that Cameron made from previous administrations? Was it purely his PR and his sort of ability to, uh, I guess, modernise in a sense and and realise where the what direction they need to move into, or was it a were there very large policy changes as well, or was it much more just in general the the PR side, sort of matching Labour in terms of being a media focused party?
1: Well, I, I think that matching Labour and being a media focused party was definitely very very important Mm -hmm. um and it brought the conservative party into the 21st century that being said they were also aided by some serious policies and a clear manifesto that was different to Labour's for the first time Mm -hmm. um austerity which david cameron really the public were really on board with in 2010 um out of a need i think there was a there was a there was a a knowledge that there was a need to do this because david cameron one of the successful things was Every uh, four pounds we spent, we borrowed one of them. Mm-hmm. And that was a real big thing that he put forward in the 2010 campaign, focusing on the economy and how we need to tighten the belt and we need to go back to uh, sort of fiscal responsibility. And I think going into government in the coalition with the Liberal Democrats, that's what they offered.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, and obviously, so we had the coalition. Where it was a bit of a bit of an odd time, I guess, but. Very odd time. Mm-hmm. This is the first formal less- coalition for ages. Mm-hmm. So generally what I, what I read around that time was it was less turbulent than people were expecting. Is that, is that a correct assessment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So people thought, oh God, coalition, that Liberal Democrats, they'll be gone in a few years. As soon as um, mm-hmm. the Conservative Party sees a, sees a pickup in their fortunes, that'll be a snap yeah, general yeah, election. All. But what the Liberal Democrats do, which has extreme ramifications for the next 10 years, is they say, you can go into a coalition with us if you sign this bill. And it is the Fixed Term Parliament Mm -hmm. Act um, of 2011, which basically says uh, prime ministers are no longer allowed to just dissolve parliament like that on the, well, the queen, obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, on the advice of the prime minister. They have to do their term for five years. uh, And if you want to call a general election, it needs two thirds support from the House or a motion of no confidence. Mm -hmm. And... People, think, people sit up and think, oh, okay. Yeah. And it really works. Yeah. So 2010, 2015 was great. Mm. The Conservatives and the Liberal Democrats, they were great little bedfellows. <laughs> and almost um, weirdly, mm. the Conservatives went into the 2015 election expecting to be back into coalition. Mm. Um, and so they wrote into the manifesto of 2015 um, all these not uh, sort of dog whistle tactics mm-hmm. for their voters, such sure. as let's have a referendum on the yeah, EU, yeah. which they... Uh, which David Cameron expected to write out mm-hmm. as soon as he went into coalition with the
0: Liberal Democrats, and we all know how that ended for him. <laughs> so do you think that Cameron established a bedrock for future Conservative, um, I guess, administrations? Like, So was it did his policy or anything like that really last, or was it simply the change in style and attitude, which is one that might maintain uh, beyond him and his tenure?
1: Do I think he had a long-lasting impact?
0: Mm. I suppose. Whether in policy or in, I guess... Um, style and 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 attitude towards politics in the party
1: yeah i suppose in a sense he did uh the fiscal responsibility um lasted
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but and the pr lasted but what i do think has changed is that the conservative party of 2010 um up until david cameron resigning was a metropolitan liberal party mm-hmm. george osborne would have been perfectly at home <laughs> in the liberal democrats mm-hmm. yeah. um and I think people grew tired of the metropolitan elite of which David Cameron was a, was a symbol of. Mm-hmm. A symbol of a posh boy that wants to be prime minister purely mm-hmm. for wanting yeah. to be prime minister. Felt like he was
0: born into it. Yeah, exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that changed. The character of the Conservative Party changed mm-hmm. from 2001 to onwards. I mean, let's, it is amazing how much David Cameron detoxified the Labour Party. So in 2001... At the leadership election for the Conservative Party, I said earlier that Michael Portillo was the hot Mm favourite. Do you know why he went out of favour? Why? Because there were allegations in newspapers that he um, had certain homosexual experiences at university. Mm. And in the eyes of the Conservative Party, that was ruinous. Mm. And he was lambasted and kicked out. Not kicked out, but but he he was out of favour. To a party that under David Cameron, Mm. legalized gay marriage. That is a phenomenal change in in the space of 10 years. And so David Cameron made an excellent Mm. effort at detoxifying the Conservative Party, and it should not be understated Mm. in any way whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But it,
0: unfortunately, owing to Brexit, did not last. Sure. So you could say that Cameron, what he did was he changed the Conservative Party, and I guess it's attitude, I guess, social liberalism in a sense. Absolutely. However, his specific policies and areas, and I guess style in general, has sort of died out a bit. I would say so. Sure, okay. So, unfortunately, now we have to go to our next song, but then we will be moving on to the last two leaders we have made yeah. for and, and a slight called? issue of Brexit. And the, the, the very <laughs> tiny issue, the one that we never pay attention to. Um, this is our next song by Hugh Grant, uh, Pop Goes My Heart. Enjoy. And we're back for the final segment. We don't have an insane amount of time, so we're going to dive straight in here. Uh, how much did Brexit change the Conservative Party? God, how long <laughs> in, have you got? In less than 15 minutes. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> Brexit was a long time coming. Mm-hmm. And um, the inability of David Cameron to contain the right-wing forces within his own party and and his inability to control the rise of UKIP um, meant that it was a long time coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brexit which sort of came to symbolise, along with Donald Trump, populism across the globe, Mm -hmm. um, really was a game changer, not only for the Conservative Party, but for the Labour Party, for the Liberal Democrats, for Parliament as an institution, and for the country. It caused the country to look in on itself and say, who are we? Mm -hmm. And what do we want? What do we see our position in the world? And what do we see our relationship with other countries Mm -hmm. in the world? And it was hugely um, Mm -hmm. important event. And this is... Euroscepticism and the Conservative Party go hand in hand. So uh, they're always fighting over Europe. John Major was basically brought down over Europe. The the infighting over the Maastricht Treaty and um, what he came... He he called members of his own cabinet bastards (laughs) over um, their rebellious nature during the Maastricht Treaty years. Um, And so it brought down John Major, it brought down David Cameron, and it brought down Theresa May... And if Boris doesn't get a a grip on things, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if he does or not, it'll bring down him too. Mm -hmm. Conservative Party's got no fear in doing that. And so Brexit caused the Conservative Party to look in on itself and say, who are we? Not only what Mm -hmm. is the country, but what are we for? Mm. And Brexit was,
0: yeah, very important. So could you say that Brexit even changed the type of politicians that people consider to be the mainstream? Because you could say that, you know, in 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 a Brexit world where discourse was, I guess, more... Less like civil in general, it was much more direct in terms of these sort of things. Someone like David Cameron, who tries to be, you know, the the statesman, the like polite, whatever, kind of fell out of favor in favor of more people who were mm. more loud and you know direct, and I guess a bit more. I guess, believable as human beings, in a sense? Yeah,
1: there's, so there's a big rise, isn't there, mm. uh, during the populist years. And
0: even someone like Boris, who people wouldn't really describe often as a populist, I'd say. But he is believable as a person because he is weird, I think, generally.
1: Yeah, so well, there's a big rise of these men of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm one of you, I'm on your side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And David Cameron, one of the, well, one of the big mistakes was he chose a side. Mm. And he put himself up for that. At the time, he was the most popular politician in, in Britain, but he was unleashing... Mm. some some vast forces of which he knew he had no control over and so he took a side what he could have done is so in 1975 Harold Wilson or at some point in the 1970s there was a, we had a, a, the first referendum mm-hmm. on whether or not we should stay in the uh, uh, what was then not the EU the common market sure. um and Harold Wilson said I think we should remain but I'm not going to yeah. play a role in this campaign, campaign. and he rose above it And David Cameron was not able to rise above it because David Cameron inserted himself so forcefully into the situation. David Cameron went to the EU to try and get a deal and say, look, if we remain, we can have this deal. Or if we leave, I don't know. And the deal that he came back with was one of the worst deals (laughs) I think there's ever been. There was no real like, oh, my God, this is going to fundamentally change the way that we work with Europe. It was just like, oh, well, we'll change pensions. We'll tweak those a little bit and we'll tweak something about immigration and claiming of benefits a little bit. And people took one look at David Cameron. Um, people in left behind towns, which is a which is a rising feature in British politics. The sort of two, it's a tale of two countries almost. Mm-hmm. You've got liberal metropolitan cities, London, like uh, Liverpool. Well, not Liverpool, yeah. You know, cities, cities, sure, yeah,
0: just the main major cities,
1: Leeds, Manchester. Mm-hmm. People that dwell in cities compared with people that dwell in towns mm-hmm. and uh, villages, and the. The stark difference between those two, it just only grew, and uh, mm-hmm. it came to, to to signify what Brexit became. Mm-hmm. And so Brexit happens. We leave the European Union. It's a great shock. Mm-hmm. Who's going to succeed? David Cameron is our question, <laughs> and it's Theresa May. Mm-hmm. Um, she purposefully was very quiet in the referendum. Mm-hmm. She yeah, was a Remainer. Mm-hmm. She only made one public appearance in yeah. which she gave an v- extremely balanced <laughs> view of yeah. the European Union. And um, she was seen as the best pair, pair of hands because Michael Gove and Boris Johnson, the two leading lights of the Brexit campaign,
0: mm.
1: just tore chunks off each other. Yeah. So Boris went for Teeth it. each other down. And to, and Theresa May was the last yeah. one standing. Boris went for it. Michael Gove thought this is good. And then Michael Gove thought this is actually bad. So, mm. he, Boris, uh, so Gove stamped him in the back and stood himself. Then Boris pulled out. And then Gove didn't get enough votes. Mm-hmm. And then Theresa May teetered. And sort of walked over the the bodies. So I, have, I just
0: have about one question about Theresa May during her, her um, prime ministerial, I guess, tenure. Would you describe her as being reactive or proactive? So Do you think that she actually had any room to do things that she would want to do? Or was she purely just constantly trying to put out fires around Brexit? You know, Did, did Brexit really derail any sort of ideology or plan that she could potentially enforce? I think
1: Brexit put a pause on government and on parliament for about three years Mm. because Brexit is the biggest constitutional change um, that this country has faced since the Second World War. Do I think that Theresa May had any policy ideas? Yes, she did. Um, Were it a different time, she could have implemented them. But she she faced this task mm-hmm. she had some ideas of her own she was you know programmer schools it was a shift away from the from the david cameron years to a more maternal uh, shires based mm-hmm. conservatism okay. um but she herself was faced with these two conflicts how do i reconcile a party that is full of thatcherites mm-hmm. and one nation yeah. people what, And, and, and she's a group
0: of brexiteers who yeah angry everyone
1: and she said what am i she is you know she came to prominence in the opposition years uh, the fact th- of uh hague and of ids and of howard she was the party chair chairman and so she's got these thatcherite tendencies but she's also got these one nation tendencies of the david cameron years and so she's trying to reconcile mm-hmm. them she's trying to fudge it all together which boris johnson is just avoiding doing at the moment yeah um and she's trying to fudge the two together and it just doesn't she cannot mm-hmm. there is no space to do so mm-hmm. and so she is Eventually brought down by her own party,
0: left just constantly reacting, and eventually yeah. couldn't carry the Conservatives into a. Yeah. Into the mix. I mean, I
1: feel desperately sorry for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was given a rum deal of the thing, mm-hmm. but um, no, she was she was brought down by her party mm-hmm. because she was seen as being inefficient enough and too mm-hmm. tilted.
0: So then we move on to uh, everyone's favourite Boris Johnson. Uh, the the. I guess you'd say the just the backbench side, fallen into several, several different conservative leaders, yeah. finally takes power. Um, so what would you say, what has he changed uh, from, like, I guess, May or Cameron? And do you think that he will establish a new norm in the Conservative Party? Okay, so Boris Johnson has
1: found something incredibly successful, and he's found a different way of doing uh, politics for the Conservative Party. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, so we're going to be economically slightly left-wing but culturally slightly conservative and oh my god this was a fantastic Mm. um mix Mm -hmm. to pick up hoover up these red wall seats of that are usually labor but feel they have been Mm. uh, abandoned by the labor party the labor party have been indifferent to towns Mm -hmm. because (sighs) these voters have a, a real sense of identity in their place and they want their towns to have dignity and respect they don't want to be faceless cities they, they 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 don't want to move around the country they want mm-hmm. to live and die in the same towns and um oh that might be strike slightly <laughs> strong but mm-hmm, you know they, there's a strong yeah. sense of identity and mm-hmm. the conservative party i think picked up on that mm-hmm. and said yeah okay we're going to spend more we're going to level mm-hmm. up in the words of boris johnson our society um, and we're going to give more money to the north. We're going to spend on
0: infrastructure to, in the north, and we're going to look away from cities. So, could you say that one of Boris's main success was managing managing to position himself as not an establishment person? You know, someone who's been who's been in government for a while. Mm. He managed to um, essentially um, make it look like, or at least you know, successfully sell to the people that Labour are the ones leaving you behind, even though we've been in government for a while. Perhaps that sort of anti-establishment rhetoric is something that he was successful in but is that something which can last considering that he is now the prime minister yeah well i think brexit had a, a nasty little habit of turning
1: everything topsy-turvy because one mm-hmm. of the most phenomenal things of the 2019 election campaign was that boris johnson was acting like he'd not been in government like mm, the conservatives exactly. haven't been in government for nine years he was saying we're going to do this we're going to yeah, do that yeah. we're going to do that and people thought yes almost as if it was a different conservative party mm. entirely and Labour were just scratching around arguing over anti-Semitism. I'm sure they had no hope whatsoever.
0: Mm-hmm. Really did slow down the uh, the party. So do you think that Boris will have a, a legacy in, in a sense? Or will he be no, more I'm like... I'm sure
1: he'll have a legacy of some <laughs> sort.
0: <laughs> One that will be long-lasting in terms of party changes? Or do you think he will have his time, it'll be like a fun few years, but then eventually he will just fade out and then the Conservative Party will go back to either old norms or something new? Or do you see his style and his sort of personality being something which the Conservative Party will aim to repeat? Um
1: unfortunately
0: i'm not a clairvoyant however uh you can try to be one
1: <laughs> <laughs> i do think that, that he has picked up on something very interesting mm-hmm. and i think that if he's able to deliver then that could become the new coalition mm-hmm. for the conservative party um i'm not sure where labor will go dependent mm-hmm. upon their leader leader which will probably be keir starmer which um will be interesting um But I think he has potentially found the roots of a really Mm -hmm. strong coalition for a future conservative party fit for the 21st century.
0: Mm -hmm. So you could say that what Boris has been successful in is finding the potential for a new type of conservatism, in a sense, by wedding, as you said, like uh, more slightly left wing. Um, economic policies and slightly more culturally conservative, yeah, social um, policies. I mean, not like radically conservative no, no, course, socially, like
1: but because uh, what we fail to forget is that Boris Johnson was one of the first members in the Conservative Party to call for mm. uh, gay marriage and the abolition yeah, yeah. Of, uh, and the repeal of Section Twenty Four. One of
0: the few to not vote against it in
1: uh, its yeah. first exactly. As well, and he, this fun. is this is the man that was a London mayor, a mayor of the most metropolitan liberal city. Um, he, I think embodies the conservative party in its mm. chameleon-like qualities. Um, so it would be very interesting to see where he does go.
0: They're interesting. You could say that perhaps his legacy will be the ability to change under yeah. very different circumstances.
1: Absolutely. Right then. Thank you so much for coming on, Bill. You, thank you so much for having me on. It's this been an been, absolute pleasure. This has
0: been a fantastic time. Uh, everyone go follow Billy on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Billy underscore Lucas 15. Uh, check out Perspectives magazine. Just got nominated for an award by the student journalism people. Yes.
1: Spe- best, like, specific... Um, best specialist publication. That's it. So Which is Spectres. quite exciting. There yeah. are there
0: are several good articles. You know, one about American foreign policy. One Ooh, about Trump. What about that? One about... Um, what else have I done? I, I <laughs> just... 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 Flick through, you'll see Hugh smile and go, oh, that's pretty good, isn't it? And then put it down. <laughs> um, no, but Perspective is a great magazine. Give it a good read. Um, thank you so much for on, Billy. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for having me on here. Um, I'm sure I'll have you on at some point again. This is our last song. Uh, this is by Millie Turner, and it's The Jungle. Thank you very much. We're on iTunes and Spotify, by the way. Yay! Enjoy!